Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching, the community and podcast designed to inspire your mindset and help you take daily action towards your dreams and goals. This is the show where I am given the opportunity to interview successful business professionals and share their journey. They share their failures, difficulties, and the journey to success with you so that whatever mountain you're facing, you will be inspired and equipped. We believe it is better when walking amongst a community of supporters. Be sure to check out our daily personal growth community on Facebook. Today, I have the honor and privilege to have been speaking with the co-host of the Eternal Leadership Podcast. He interviews incredibly inspiring and successful business professionals along with his good friend, John Ramstead. He is an entrepreneur, husband, father, podcast host, and shares his story of how he faced burnout, left his job, began to work for himself, and helped his wife heal from a long-term illness. It is an incredible journey of faith, taking time to listen to God, and we got into the tough moments, the difficult decisions that he faced long before the fruit came into his life. He also shares his love of biohacking and more. This is an episode that you are going to want to take notes on. Let's get right into our conversation. Steve Ryder, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be on, Gina. Could you tell my guests a little bit about your life today so they could get to know you? Yeah, so I have been married now, let's see, it's been uh, 17 years, and we have to Elizabeth, uh, we have two boys that are 14 and 12. We've got uh, two dogs, two cats, a bearded dragon, and live outside of Colorado Springs, where we are, well, at least the boys and I are very active in terms of hiking and being outside and enjoying Colorado what we have to offer. That sounds pretty awesome. And you don't look old enough to have been married for that long. I can't believe it. I am, you know, I, I get that all the time. I, 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 th- I think it comes down to really two things. One, genetics. My dad always looked younger than what he was. And two, um, I, I think it's just the fact that I just try and live a clean, healthy life. I've always been in shape, always been active, um, minimal alcohol use. In fact, in the last, I'd probably say six months, I've quit alcohol completely because I've been really working on in, within the whole biohacking movement, trying to biohack my biology. So that way I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. And one thing I noticed is alcohol destroys my sleep. And so I'm like, yeah, it's not worth it to me. I'd, I'd rather get a good night's sleep and kick butt throughout the day than have a drink and just kind of have that carry over into the next day. Sounds awesome. I can't wait to see where today's interview is going to take us because pre-recording, we were talking about your aura ring and biohacking and sleep. Yeah. And there's just like so much good stuff to get into. Yes. The aura ring. So the aura ring for uh, people may may wonder what yeah. that is. So it's, it's basically like a sleep tracker. And I've, I've got it right here. Uh, and um, it's got three little sensors on there. It tracks heart rate, tracks movement, tracks body temperature. And uh, so you, it, from from a study that I saw, it tra- Stanford did a sleep study and the Aura Ring tracks deep sleep as good as their high end sleep study equipment. And so the more efficient your deep sleep can be, the better, more rested you can feel at the in, in the morning and throughout the next day. And so I, I've, I've realized that sleep the night before affects my day more than anything else. More than anything else. If I have a good night's sleep, I can kick butt. 
if I have a rotten night's sleep, especially a few nights in a row, it can destroy my my productivity. And and things are in in a place right now where I want to be as productive as I possibly can. I want to be as efficient as, as I possibly can. And so I'm looking at every way that I can to have more energy, be more ready for uh, the not only the workload, but also at the end of the day, have enough energy for my family. Yeah, and I just want to bring up, I thought it was cool to discover that you're the host with John Ramstead, who, for anyone who's listened to this podcast for like four years now, he was one of the first ever people that I interviewed on the show. So how cool is that? Yeah, John's a very, very dear friend of mine. In fact, he was, yeah, last week he spent a night down here in Colorado Springs. He lives up in Golden, so it's like the very west side of Denver. So it's a full, probably hour and a half to get to his house. And so okay. he came down, spent the night. We did a few interviews over the course of two days and uh, hung out. And so it was it was, it was great. I, I absolutely love the guy. He's one of my closest friends and uh, someone that really uh, is very special in my life. Well, it's such an honor to meet you. I'm just so glad to get to share your story because I have listened to your podcast like right when it started. So pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. So where should we start? Where do you want to take us back on your journey of life? Really, the starting point for me would be when I moved here to Colorado in 1997. I was fresh out of school, born and raised in southern Wisconsin, diehard Packers and Badgers fan, Bucks, Brewers. That I'm, I'm, I'm a cheesehead. My great-grandpa immigrated from Germany uh, probably about 110 years ago. And uh, actually, no, it's probably about 100 years ago. Immigrated from wow. Germany and uh, learned the English language and took up cheesemaking as, uh, as his vocation and became an award-winning cheesemaker. And so I literally am a cheesehead by birth. It's in my blood. And so uh, anyway, I, I, once I graduated school, I was dating a girl. Her parents lived here in Colorado Springs, came out to meet the parents, fell in love with the town. And while I was here, they mentioned Focus on the Family was here. I was like, Focus on the Family, Focus on the Family. What, what is that? Uh, Dr. Dobson. I remember Dr. Dobson. My mom was a big Dr. Dobson supporter and listened to Dr. Dobson on the way to church every Wednesday and when she was making dinner. And so I was very familiar with, with Focus. In fact, Doc created this, this cassette series called Preparing for Adolescence. And my mom, because my dad wasn't going to give me, give me the talk, quote unquote, <laughs> the, the talk, my dad didn't want to do it. And so my mom just gave me the cassette series, locked me in her bedroom and said, you listen to this. And so Dr. Dobson was the one that told me about the birds and the bees, even though I, even though at that point, really, I'd, I'd kind of figured out a lot of that stuff and just, just by process of figuring it out, very curious. And so, uh, anyway, to, to, my, my mom supported three major ministries growing up. She supported, uh, Jim Baker and PTL, Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Dobson. And Dr. Dobson was the only one that didn't embarrass the faith in the 80s. Both both Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart had major falls. And so I, I, I had a deep respect for him because I had become very cynical. I grew up in a very legalistic church. I mean, I, the, the stories that I could tell that I could tell 
just would boggle the mind. And in, fa in fact, really, there was one in which we were getting ready to go to a Brewers game. I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade. We're getting ready to go to a Brewers game. And so the entire Royal Rangers went up on the stage to kind of talk about going to a Brewers game. And right before we went on the stage, the our Royal Ranger leader said, OK, we're going to say we're going to call them the Milwaukee Baseball Club because we're not going to call them the Brewers because we don't support alcohol. And I was like, what? I didn't. Oh, I didn't my goodness. I didn't understand that. It was like, what? It, she, she just turned water into wine, but it wasn't real wine. Yeah, whatever. Shut up. And so anyway, that 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 was just like just something that just yeah. I, so uh, anyway, really had a great respect for Doc, and so came out, got an entry level job, and uh, worked my way up through the ranks. Become became Dr. Dobson's chief audio engineer and managed the audio production department for the daily broadcast. And uh, then when Focus decided to finish that leadership transition, I was the second employee that Doc hired to help start Family Talk, which ended up becoming the largest rollout in radio history. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, in total, I worked for Doc for 15 years. My favorite Dr. Dobson story that I love to tell people is uh, one of my very early trips. Um, when we didn't get enough stuff done here in Colorado Springs, Doc would take uh, you know, probably out a week before Christmas through the end of January. And he would go to his small two bedroom condo in Palm Desert, California to write, to catch up on emails, to get some sun, to get some better weather. And, and then he'd come back into town. Well, if we didn't get enough stuff done for that, probably about five, six, seven weeks that he would be gone. We would take opens and we, we would take the bodies of shows and we would record opens and closes there in Palm Desert. And so John Fuller mm -hmm. and I, the co-host of the broadcast, he and I would go out and we'd record. And because it was in Palm Desert, we would be sitting around in shorts and t-shirts because you couldn't have the air conditioning clicking on and off yeah. in the middle of something. Yeah. So we'd crank the AC all the way. We'd drop the temperature as low as we could, turn off the AC, start recording, <laughs> break for lunch, turn the AC back on then come back and and uh, finish the day and and we would break for lunch we'd all go out for lunch and we'd all go out for dinner sitting around shorts and t-shirts surely be making us lemonade it was it was awesome I, I i got to see doc in a way that very 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 few people at focus ever did in a very mm -hmm. relaxed environment when we would just go hang out at dinner and I, people would come out of the woodwork because they'd hear his voice and they'd mm -hmm. run up and they would just start weeping because of the impact that Focus made on their lives. I mean, at its peak, at its peak, Focus and the family was a $150 million a year organization. And we wow. were touching a quarter billion people per day through all of our audio products around the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it, 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 was, it was the 900-pound gorilla in, in the Christian radio space. In fact, we were the first... Uh, quote unquote, religious broadcast inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. And so on one of these wow, first trips. Big. Oh, yeah. It, it, we beat out Dr. Laura and Howard Stern that year in 2008. And wow. so so that that was that was pretty awesome. I mean, people, oh, yeah, you're just a religious broadcast. You like Howard Stern, right? Yeah, we beat him. Ha <laughs> ha. And so. <laughs> um, so anyway, it was one of those first trips to uh, Southern California that um, after we had done after we had broke for dinner and we went out to the, we went to this Mexican restaurant and we were all sitting around kind of talking, hanging out. And then we were going to go to go get dessert at, the, at, a, at a frozen yogurt place just a few blocks away. And so, uh, Doc and Shirley and John and I had driven separate. And so, um, mm -hmm. 
John and I were going to go meet them there at the frozen yogurt place, but I peeled off to go to the restroom. And when I walked out, there were Doc and Shirley walking about five yards in front of me, holding hands. Here's a couple that had been married 48 years at the time. And they were, I, I saw the way they loved each other. I saw the way he loved his kids. I saw how he would stop a middle of a broadcast for a call from one of his kids. Adult wow, kids. That's adult kids. Beautiful. And he would wow. stop it. And he'd be like, okay, what do you need? Okay, okay, can we talk about this later? I'm in the middle of a recording. Perfect. All right, bye. Hung up. Or if it was something important, he'd break the interview for a little bit, take care of whatever was needed. His family is his priority. And he is mm -hmm. just the most genuine, awesome dude. He's driven. But but so am I, and we got along in that way, and so he's just he's an incredible guy. Wow! So how did you transition from that to anything else? That just sounds fabulous. Yeah. So um, when I went, so when we launched Family Talk, um, the money never really came in. We were doing two daily radio broadcasts with half the staff I had focused to do one, and it was killing me. And uh, yeah. my, my faith was very much at the time, my faith was very much a workspace. My identity is wrapped up in my identity of being Dobson's guy. And so yeah. I couldn't step back from the workload and figure out how can we do this more efficiently? Because it was it was doable. Mm -hmm. It was it was very doable. I mean, it's it's tight, but it's doable. And so um, anyway, uh, I burned out. I just, I mean, I, I really, I burned out and, uh, I, I look at the weekend that John, that I met John in Great Falls, Montana, um, as kind of like the beginning of my wilderness season, because on Thursday, I met Thursday night, I met John Friday night. He was thrown from a horse into a steel fence and nearly killed Saturday. Dr. Dobson fell from his horse, broke his collarbone, scapula, seven ribs. It was Oh, it, it was it was really hard to to see that happen. Oh my goodness! And I came back from that trip, and it really was like the hand of protection that was over my career was lifted, and the 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 workload suddenly was that less bearable, and mm -hmm. and, and the workload was really taking its toll on my teammates that left focus with me to help start Family Talk, and and yeah. there there really got to be this this tension and conflict on the broadcasting staff. And uh, finally, about six months later, I just turned in my resignation because I just I needed to go. My doctor pulled me aside and he was like, you don't get this. You've lost 20 pounds the last two months. Your your health is on the precipice of something really bad happening. You have to yeah. go. And so I, I did. I turned in my resignation, stepped out of the boat and uh, took six months to really kind of rest and recover. And, uh, but even, even then, but even then, um, when, when I would sit in front of a computer and I would look at a computer screen, my eyes would physically hurt. Yeah. And when I would listen to audio, my ears would physically hurt. They would, there would be tangible pain listening to audio, even at a very, very low volume, a sp spoken word, I should say music was okay, but spoken word. And it was like, my body was saying, stop it. Yeah. This is what got you into this position in the first place. I'm not letting you go through this again. And it was right around that time, about six months after I'd left working for Doc, that um, a friend of mine had said, hey, you should be a financial advisor. And then another friend said, hey, you should be a financial advisor. And then a fifth person said, hey, you should be a financial advisor. And I finally said, what's the deal? Yeah. And, and, and he said, well, I've got a seminary buddy up in Parker who's doing this uh, part-time and he's making more money now doing this as a part-time than he is making full as a full-time pastor. 
And he's actually oh, pulled wow. his salary off the church books. And he's using this as basically his tent making ministry. And I really think that, that you could be good at this. Mm-hmm. And so I took a look and took a couple of weeks to really kind of pray about it. And I had clients lining up even before I had gotten licensed during that two weeks. <laughs> That's incredible. And so I was like, okay, God, apparently you want me to do this. In fact, this is funny. So so I, I, I love hiking 14ers. And 14ers here in Colorado are the mountains that are 14,000 feet and higher. We have a total of 50 plus in the entire state. And I went and hiked Mount Antero. And it was okay. the, at the end of the, the end of this two weeks. And I was, I, I was expecting on the drive down to make the call whether I was going to do it or not. And, and so I went up to the top of this mountain thinking, I'm going to hear something from God. I'm going to hear this big, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to get this download about, yes, this is what you were supposed to do. Or no, I have something different. I got up there, nothing. And on the way down, I'm like, what's the deal? And then I started thinking, wait, wait, wait. Uh, Chad said that he wanted to, he, he, as soon as I got licensed, he wanted me to be a client or you wanted, you wanted to be a client of mine. And, um, Kurt called me and said he wanted, he, he got 50 grand from his dad's inheritance and he had no idea what to do with it. And Scott, I saw him at Costco or my wife saw him at Costco and he said, Hey, I've got a little 401k I want rolled over. As soon as he gets licensed, let me know. Wow. Maybe God's just shown me through the circumstances as opposed to me waiting to actually hear something. And so stepped out of the boat and uh, that first six months, actually, yeah, it was the first year that I was an advisor. All I was killing it. All the vets told me were just blown away at how I was doing. And and part of it was I had uh, part of my fortune was I had John Ramstead mentoring <laughs> yes. me, who was a very successful financial advisor up in Denver. His clients that he specialized in were in the 50 to $500 million net worth range. And so here's a guy who really has done a very good job at, at becoming a financial advisor. And he's just, he's, he's coaching me. And, and so that first year I killed it. And then my wife got sick and it put the skids on everything. And she had, uh, got sick with, uh, some autoimmune stuff and Mm -hmm. bed. She was basically bedridden for about three, four months. And then finally, when they got that figured out, six months later, she got sick again. And this time it was because she got better so quickly that some undiagnosed pulmonary hypertension rage. And her heart went from perfect in March of 2014 to significantly enlarged and failing at a congestive level right at the time John and I launched Eternal Leadership. And so, but it was those clients that I had under management those assets that I had under management that kept a roof over our heads and kept food on the mm-hmm. table and kept the bills paid. And while I wasn't getting any new clients, God was teaching me, hey, I'm providing. Just take care of your wife. Take care of your family. Do what you need to do. That is a testimony of faith right there. Oh, it's crazy because I was one that when I stepped out of that boat, I had no idea how we were going to pay for anything. I had no idea. But yet, consistently, every single month, we had enough to pay our, pay everything we needed. And often, if if we often we were given enough to go do some extra things. But sometimes we were so fearful about oh we need to carry this over to the next month that we just missed out on some fun stuff. But God really, I mean, just consistently, it was like it, it was a full probably six and a half year journey to really get to a point where 
thing where, where we finally felt like we uh, where, where I was making more money than I was working for Dobson. I got to like stop here for just a yes. sec and, yes. and go a bit deeper because okay. everybody that I know of that listens to this show is kind of in that journey of like they know they're having a health crisis and they need to leave where they're at but they're not sure or they're in that place where they've left but they're not seeing the fruit so I feel like this is important did you say it was six and a half years six and a half years from yeah. leaving to getting yep. to where you were like really seeing that concrete evidence that it was working yeah yeah, it, it was six and a half years. In fact, it was really seven years between when John had his accident and then last September when things just really busted open and I got a big client. And over the course of last year, my clients probably my clients quadrupled. But then mm -hmm. I got one in particular where this one client I'm making more than I was work, making working full time for Dobson at Family Talk. And it's not a full time position. Wow, I mean, they're, 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 they're producing 13 pieces of audio every single week at least. Yeah. But I, but through my lessons that I learned about, okay, how could I have done it different when, when I thought, look back at family talk, how could I have done things different? Mm -hmm. I've taken a lot of those lessons that I've kind of come up with and, and, and efficiencies that, that, uh, we, that, that I think, okay, yeah, I would have, I would have done this different. I've taken that and and streamlined things in such a way that um, that uh, this one client I'm making more than I than I would have than I did when I was working for Dobson full time, and and I I, I really the, the journey for me that whole seven years it was all about inner healing. Mm -hmm. That's really what it was all about because. I've I've had a number of people that have spoken into my life and, and including Dr. Dobson. They've said, Steve, you're great. You're amazing. You you have this calling. But yet there was this inner crap that was going on that was always holding me back and causing me to doubt myself. And um, so so right as soon as I left, I knew I needed to start, you know, just getting better and getting a lot of my internal junk cleaned up. And so I, I, I started on this journey where it was just consistent and I'd try this and I'd get a little bit of improvement and then I just kind of hit a ceiling and it just didn't help any. And then I tried this and a little bit of improvement. And then uh, last year, it, was, it really just kind of kicked into overdrive. And as it was kicking into overdrive, and, and really, I, I feel like God was just saying, okay, you, you've been seeking me now for five and a half years. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the steroids right now. And, 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 and we're, we're going to see some massive growth here over the course of the next nine months. And, uh, you're, you're going to get done what, what, uh, some people, it takes a lifetime to get, to get better with. And so mm -hmm. as I got better internally and up here in my, in my head, uh, the things just really started to bust open. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I, it, I've, I just, I've, had a lot of people at my church that have asked me, okay, what happened? What did you do? Because they're looking for formulas. Yeah. So many people are often looking for formulas and it's, it's different for everybody. And, yeah. and, and so for me, it was, it was a journey of just trying to get better because God ha has basically through what people have spoken to my life, he's given me something to shoot for this target to go for. And if I would have gotten there, Without having gotten my internal stuff cleaned up, I would have sabotaged. I would have blown it up. I would have, I would have messed it up. I would have done a whole bunch of different things. I mean, it's it's really why you, when you see often these celebrities that have this massive success, 
and they throw it all away through addictions and just stupid mm-hmm. stuff. And the same thing for ministry leaders. They get to this place where they're just they're they're really good and they have an affair and they run off on yeah. their wife or whatever. It's it's often, it's not always, but I'd say most of the time it's because their internal reality doesn't match their external reality. The external reality is too great for the internal reality to handle it. And yeah. so and so there's some sort of like sabotage almost that takes that that eliminates it. And so mm-hmm. I, I never wanted to be that guy. I never wanted to be someone that that would go run off on my wife or would have an affair or whatever. And and so I knew that if I'm going to be here all the way up at at, at this high level, then mm-hmm. my internal reality needs to needs to be ready for that. It needs to be bigger than that. So that way I can handle it without any problems. And now that you're there. Getting there. Would you say that you still. I, I still have some stuff. I, I, I am not going to say that I am that I'm 100 percent there because I still have some stuff I'm working on. I do. I love your honesty. I'm short. I'm short with my kids sometimes mm-hmm. where I just where they do something and it just twerks me and I'll just. I'll give them that that dad stare, yeah. like what are you doing? <laughs> Teeth clenched and 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 you know, bully them almost. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't want to do that. Like even this morning, even this morning, I was up at the table with my wife, and she asked me a question that I had explained to her three different times, mm-hmm. three different times. And finally, I was like, "Why aren't you getting this?" And afterwards, I was like, oh, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry." I think you just answered my question because I started uh, in January 1st, I started a daily growth community and I've been doing a daily Facebook live video and telling people, you don't have to do the same thing that everybody else is doing, but to grow, you have to be committed to doing one thing every day on your own personal growth journey. And that's what I was going to ask you is, does that journey ever end? Or when you get to where your vision was, do you just make a new vision and keep working? Absolutely. It, it it never ends because those goals are constantly changing. Like right now, God has placed in front of me. He's told me at the beginning, at the end of last year, I really started praying. Okay, God, what do you want my 2019 focus mm-hmm. to be? And 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 consistently focus on what's in front of you. Focus on what's in front of you. And what's in front of me is Right Turn Media, the audio production, media production, coaching, consulting business that I've mm-hmm. created, and then Eternal Leadership really starting to monetize that and take it to a whole new level. Cause we've, we've, we've been doing it mainly as just, you know, something fun to do to kind of help develop relationships. And, but no, we, 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 we have a core group of a core audience that, that absolutely loves what we're doing. And so we want to create some events. We're looking at doing some online summits or at least one this year. Oh, and, and so that that's, that's real. That's really kind of my, my focus is what's in front of me pouring into that. After that, after I build some systems, like specifically when it comes to right turn media, one of the things that I'm talking with a cousin of mine, who's a developer about building a backend system to manage the audio production process. So that way the client uploads it, they upload any notes, no emails need to exchange files, exchange hands, and boom, it starts going through the process to where where I have specialists who are dealing with EQ and specialists who are dealing with levels and specialists who are the top vocal editors that that are out there and and don't do bad edits. I can't tell you the number of times how many resumes I threw away from people who were working at big radio stations in major markets 
that they did not have a natural ear to edit. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at, at, at building this system to kind of manage everything. So that way it's taking that management off my plate. So that way all I'm doing is I'm interfacing with clients and coming up with ideas, spicing up their shows, helping to create some real vibrant content. And that's it. Everything else is being managed behind the scenes. And I'm just developing relationships with those clients. And so that way I can scale it. I've, I've got a goal of 10xing my income by the end of the year. That is a pretty awesome goal. Yeah. Can you share something with us from your zone of expertise? Yes, absolutely. What, what is like the one message you share the most or you're the most passionate that people just need to know? The most passionate message that I have. Honestly, there, there are a few things that are, that are kind of bubbling to mind right now, and, I, and I'm still really unpacking them. One is the whole biohacking movement, because things are coming down the pike that, in, in dealing with longevity and being healthier longer that, that most people are not thinking about. They're not. But there are some anti-aging experts, and the anti-aging field has has really matured over the last 20 years from, from a bunch of people that were PhD doctors, some of the best thought leaders, uh, some of the best, smartest people in the world that were thought of as, as the establishment as quacks to actually being yeah. really thought of as something, hey, maybe we can do this. There are a couple that really think in the next 10 to 20 years, we can crack the code on aging. And, and, and we can live not only healthy to 120, but even well beyond that. I mean, there, there, there are some people that, that think, Hey, mm -hmm. we can, we can hit hundreds of years, hundreds of years. And, and for me, I've, I've, I've started kind of thinking, okay, if I, my dad's probably not going to be around to see that my dad is in his mid seventies right mm -hmm. now, not that healthy, doesn't take care of himself. I don't think he's gonna be around in 20 years to see to see that come around. And so that's gonna make me the patriarch of the family. And what kind of legacy do I wanna leave in not only in my kids, but my grandkids and my great grandkids and my great great grandkids and possibly my great 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 three greats, whichever that is, grandkids, and even possibly beyond that. <laughs> that that's that's something that that really just it just burns in me because i i look back at my family's history i mentioned my great grandpa who immigrated from germany i had another i think it was a three great grandpa who came from uh great britain england south southern england uh came to wisconsin loved the area but then went out to went out to the bay area for the gold rush made enough money that he came back, bought a prime piece of farming real estate, built a really nice house and lived out the rest of his days farming. I'd love for the ability to talk to him and say, what, what was it like when Lincoln was assassinated? What, what did you feel? Yeah, what did you, yeah. what did you feel when, when you were out there in California? Why did you come back to Wisconsin? I, I I love having grown up in mm. Wisconsin, but I can tell you right now, I don't ever want to move back there. The winters are freaking miserable. <laughs> and 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 so, but but to be able to ask someone that's been around for that long, those kinds of life lessons, I I, I look at who I am now at 44 versus what I was 20 years ago at 24, and it's oh my gosh, uh, how much more am I going to grow in the next 20 years? And the 20 years after that, and the 20 years mm -hmm. after that, and what can I pour into my 
grandkids and my great grandkids and my great great grandkids and etc. That's pro- that's one of them that really is kind of stirring in me. Do you ever wonder if we're just coming back to the way it was? Because I know pastors say that the Bible numbers are like different than time today, but maybe they really did live to be, you know, into their late hundreds. And maybe they really did have babies when they were 80. You never know. There's a verse in Isaiah 65 that talks about someone dying before the age of 100 being thought of as a cursed, mm-hmm. cursed because they died before 100 years old. I've, I've talked to some pastors and I've, I've started to really kind of look into eschatology, which is the view of the end times, a view of the end. What, what does it look like? And there's all different kinds of schools of thought when it comes to that. But the one that I really have, have started to gravitate towards because it just the, the way I see the world going right now, it just makes sense is, is the idea that it's done. It's complete. Jonathan Welton's written a book called Raptureless. And it really kind of unpacks that, you know, a, a lot of the things that premillennialists are are talking about, it, it doesn't have any weight or validity. And, and so uh, Jonathan Welton has a free version of his book, Raptureless, available on his website. You can download it for free. It's basically an abridged version. I went and I got the uh, the full version and listened to it, and I was like... I guess I kind of lean this way, although, although although I would say I pretty much am a pan-millennialist, which means whichever way it pans out is totally fine by me. I love that. I've never heard that before. I cannot believe we're running out of time because when you mentioned book, it reminded me to ask you if you could tell us what is your favorite book. The cliche answer, and, and it really is the truth, the number one most important book for me is the Bible. But the second most important book that I've ever read in, in my life is a book called The Fourth Turning by Neil Howe and William Strauss. And what they have done is they basically distilled the last 500 years of Western history into these generational turnings. And so you have a a crisis season, which gives way to a high point, which gives way to an awakening, which gives way to an unraveling, which gives, puts right back into the crisis season. And you see this throughout history where you have crisis seasons like the American Revolution, Mm -hmm. the Civil War, the Great Depression, World War II. Yeah. Likewise, you see these awakening seasons. Every major move of God, every major move of God has happened during an awakening season. Protestant Reformation, the Puritan Awakening, the First Great Awakening with George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, the Second Great Awakening with Charles Finney, uh, what, what they call the Third Great Awakening, which was um, Azusa Street and Billy Sunday's revivals and um, all, all the stuff that was going on right at the right at the end of the 1800s and very very early 1900s, and then the Jesus movement of the 70s. Mm-hmm. They wrote this book 20 years ago, setting us up for this next crisis season, which is what we're in right now. We're we're in a crisis season. This crisis season is unlike any others because all the ones previously had major wars. Right now, there's no major war. I'm not sure there's going to be a major war because of mm-hmm. the the trajectory of, um, you know, overall violence. Yeah. Um, world, the number of people dying in wars is 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 dropping at at a significant rate. Number of uh, violent murders in the U.S. has been on decline. Um, it, we're, 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 we're seeing the kingdom manifest. I think it's in Isaiah. It says that the, the increase of his government, there will be no end speaking of Jesus. 
And we're seeing this increase where we're, we're, we're become, where this technology is revolutionizing our lives and making things so much easier. And there's, and, and there's just, there's getting, to, yes, there are bad things that happen in the world, but there's less of it than at any time in human history. Hmm. And so they they wrote this book 20 years ago to set us up for this current uh, crisis season. And really, this is mainly a, a war. I, I'm seeing it right now as mainly a war of ideas. Yeah. You have you you have these people that are so hyper polarized in in their sides in their camps that they're not willing to come and engage here in the middle. And uh, so anyway, I I when I read that book, all I could think about all I could think about is that next awakening and how are we preparing our kids, and how are we going to prepare our grandkids mm -hmm. for that awakening season, because it's this Gen Z that's being born right now. They're going to be the leaders of that awakening season. And it's the kids that are going to be born after that, likely my grandkids, mm -hmm. that are going to be the, the youth fuel behind it. Because all of those awakening seasons have, have just this, this fuel just poured on by, by the, the younger generation. You know, the teenagers and 20-year-olds 20, 20 that, are, that are just going to be just totally on fire for what, what, whatever it is that, that, that's driving them. And so when I look at the way in which we curse those younger generations, my heart breaks. Uh, when I look at the way baby boomers curse the millennials, and when I look at the way some Gen Xers curse millennials, and I, I, it's, my heart breaks because it, it, we, if, if we all get on the same page, I really believe we can have a massive awakening. I, I, I think it can be more than a revival. I think it can be more than an awakening. I think it could even possibly a reformation. And so, oh, it can be unbelievable. It can be unbelievable. So my granddaughter is just going to be turning two at the end of this month. So yeah. I, can, I can see it. She's feisty. She's independent. She is like determined. Nothing's stopping her. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and if all we do is just bless those younger generations and yeah. don't curse them, the, the, the way in which that GI generation cursed the baby boomers during the Jesus movement, it caused mm -hmm. a lot of divisions. And not only the baby boomers, but also those older generations that were so tied to their orthodoxy and the little box that they put God in. Yeah. That it, that it really, I believe, hampered what what the Jesus movement could have been. I have a very good friend of mine who was Keith Green's road manager, and he was very, he, he was a musician, uh, and and his wife was in a very influential band during that time. And and he and I have had a number of conversations about this, and I I, I said, Steve, how. How different would it have been if if the older generations wouldn't have cut you off and kind of would have shepherded yeah. you along and and kind of let you guys go, but kind of been the shepherds where you know okay you're getting a little too far off here. Here's gently pushing them right back, but giving them that freedom and encouraging them. He's he, he's told me that he really feels like it could have been something even more impactful than what it was. And he looks back at those years with great fondness. In fact, he and I are talking right now about creating a show, a podcast, recording a lot of the stories of, of these baby boomers that are now in their elderly years and, and getting those stories recorded mm -hmm. and, and telling it very openly and vulnerably about, hey, we got this wrong. 
this is one area, but this was so magical over here. This was just so great. That would be a blessing. Can you share with us, aside from your own, what is your favorite podcast? So my favorite podcast, I talked about biohacking, probably is Bulletproof Radio. I'd, I'd, I'd have to say that's probably the number one that I consistently go back to over and over again. Just I, I'm, I'm so interested in just bettering myself and being having more energy and just living life more fully that uh, being more efficient with everything that I do that that's that's one that I'm, I'm listening to probably the most. I'm going to check that out myself and I'm going to link everything you've mentioned at synergymindsetcoaching.com Steve Ryder. And can you tell everyone where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, so the best places to connect with me are rightturn.media. That's my audio production company. And um, if anyone ever has uh, any idea, I'd like to do a podcast. Um, we, we can help get that executed. Um, I'm working on eventually coming up with like an a e-course, a low-cost e-course, and then, you know, like a podcasting 101, 201, 301. And um, yeah, and, and then the other place is by listening to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Um, John Ramstead's pretty much pretty much the man when it comes to that one. I've kind of, that's that's something that I don't want to say it's his baby, but I've, I've kind of come along for the ride. Uh, but I, I, I do, I'm, I'm on probably about a third of the interviews again. So cool. I actually know a couple of people that are sitting on the bench about a podcast. So what do you do to help them? Do you like do everything they just record or do you teach them how to do everything? Quite possible. Well, well if, if they're in a position to just record mm -hmm. and that's it, we, we can take everything else from there. Um, I'm, I'm working with uh, a buddy of mine right now on a couple clients. He was a uh, uh, the senior producer for Focus on the Family for a number of years, mm -hmm. and 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 we're looking at streamlining those processes and making them a lot more efficient, so that way we can create a one page, uh, show a one page prep for mm -hmm. for the host. That way they can have you know some basic questions to ask. We can distill down a book into some really knowledgeable questions. Um, Dr. Dobson used to get like these 10 to 14 page preps that he would go take home the night before and pour over and study. Most people don't need that much prep. And so, um, we're, what we're looking to do is create this one page prep using some overseas talent. Mm -hmm. So that way we're not paying full American wages and getting, getting those costs down as well. And then, uh, everything from ideation to execution. So coming up with the idea, coming up with some, uh, creative things that could be put into the podcast feed that most podcasters never think about putting in there. Um, and, and it could be things that you're already doing that just need to be repurposed into the podcast feed. And then we can just record new open and close and, uh, put it up that way to, uh, the audio production. So getting that, uh, edited well, put together, and then um, uh, uploaded and show notes and everything else. Steve, thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us today. Do you want to leave with any parting words of guidance? The mic is all yours. Be awesome. When, when um, At one point during my time at Focus on the Family, I remembered hearing someone talk about every time their kids would walk out the door or every time they would drop them off at school, they would give them like this family commission. Remember, you're, you're a writer boy. And, and um, I, I, I thought about that for a while. And I thought, I, I don't want to tell my kids to be good. I want them to do good. 
but I want them to be is be awesome. And so whenever I drop my kids off at school, I'd say, hey, who are you? Uh, I'm a writer boy. They're teenagers now, so I'm a writer boy. What does that mean? Uh, you know, it's do good and be awesome. And so that's that's what I that's what I tell them. And and so I I, I commission all of your listeners: do good, be awesome.